You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let's take our Bibles and let's read together from the book of Joshua, chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will be ex- will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, or the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, At the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, fully armed, must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you, east of the Jordan, toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go, just as we fully obeyed Moses. So we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Beloved Congregation of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. A doctor in hospital was talking to a six-year-old patient. Tomorrow, the doctor said, tomorrow I am going to open up your heart. 
I need to see what is happening in there. I know what you will find, the boy answered. When you open up my heart, you will find Jesus in there. Because Jesus is living in my heart. The doctor continued, it is obvious that your heart is getting worse. And I don't know what to do. After I have examined the damage, I will suture you up again. And then I will think about the next step. Again, the boy answered, I know that you will find Jesus in my heart because my school teacher told me so. She said that Jesus promised in the Bible that he would make his home in my heart. The next day, surgery took place as planned. After the surgery, the doctor began to make notes of what he had found. In his mind, there was no hope, no cure. The little boy would die, probably within a matter of months. How the doctor would explain that to the parents and to the patient, he was not sure, but he would find a way. He always did. And so the next day the doctor went back to the boy's room. He sat down beside the bed. In a moment or two, the boy opened his eyes and asked very quietly, What did you find in my heart, doctor? For a moment, the doctor did not know what to say. But then he answered, I found Jesus there. And we understand, brothers and sisters, we understand in this story, we have two different ways of looking at the world. The doctor, he was looking at that little boy through the eyes of science, while the little boy was seeing himself through the eyes of faith. The doctor saw what he thought was the most important, disease that was going to kill the boy, while the little boy believed something that was even more important. Jesus was living in his heart, and so he would never die. Instead, because of Jesus, he would live forever. And these two different ways of looking at the world, we all struggle with them every week, because when we go to church on Sunday... The minister tells us that God created all things and God provides for all our needs. We nod our heads and so we pray, give us today our daily bread. But on Monday morning, we go back to the real world. We check our bank statements. We make decisions and if we make good decisions, our businesses thrive. But if we make bad decisions, we go under. Two different ways of looking at the world. Another example, on Sunday morning we hear the third commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. We all know that blaspheming is serious sin. And when God's name is blasphemed, we cannot be silent bystanders. That's on Sunday. But on Monday evening, on the television, God's name is blasphemed and the television stays on. Or if we read a novel, many of them are so full of garbage that they should make us blush. But everybody reads them. There is nothing different. 
So the bottom line is, we all live in two different worlds. In our religious world, we depend on God's grace. We know exactly what's right or wrong. Everything is black or white. But on Monday morning, our mind changes gears. Because in the real world, success seems to depend on hard work. Health seems to depend on doctors and medication. What the Bible says, what the minister says in the sermon on Sunday, it seems to be totally disconnected from what we experience in daily life. And for this reason, I preach to you this morning the gospel of your salvation under the following theme, truly believing the gospel means building our whole life on the foundation of God's word. We pay attention to three points. God's command for Joshua Joshua's instructions for the Israelites and the Israelites' encouragement for Joshua. Truly believing the gospel means building our whole life on the foundation of God's word. We first pay attention to God's command to Joshua. Now in verse 2, the Lord commands Joshua to get ready to cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land. Sounds very simple. And then I know that some of you have seen the Jordan River with your own eyes. You know that today the Jordan is no more than a gentle stream. But in Joshua chapter 3 we read that the Jordan River was full. It was at flood stage. It created a barrier which the Israelites could not possibly cross. So, how did God expect the Israelites to go across? He makes it sound so easy. That's one problem. Also, on the other side of the river was the city of Jericho, with walls so thick that there were whole houses built on top of the walls. What kind of weapons did the Israelites have that they could attack such a city? What kind of an army? No trained soldiers, just ordinary families, men, women and children. Anybody who was instructed to cross such a river and take possession of such a land would have to say, ridiculous, it's impossible. There is no way that Joshua could possibly do this. It's unreal. And here we see the difficulty that was mentioned in the introduction of this sermon, brothers and sisters. What God says to us in the Bible, it all sounds so nice, it sounds so spiritual, but it's not practical, it doesn't fit with our daily life. Trust God to run our business. Let the Bible tell us what to watch on television, what novels we can read. Ridiculous. And for this reason, because it all sounds so impossible, for this reason, four times in our text, God commands Joshua, be strong and courageous. Because if Joshua would be in his right mind, he would not even think about doing what God said, crossing the Jordan, taking possession of the land. It's impossible. It doesn't make sense. That's why God says, Joshua, 
Be strong and courageous. But beloved congregation, what does it mean to be strong and courageous? In what sense does Joshua have to be strong and courageous? Verse 7 explains, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Understand, being strong and courageous as a Christian has got nothing to do with facing the enemy or leading an army. Instead, be strong and courageous in obeying the word of God. And isn't this a strange command? Even a ridiculous command for God to give to the leader of an army? Surely Joshua should be busy planning strategy, what to do first and last, how to deploy his men, which weapons would be most effective where. God says, nah, forget that stuff. Be strong in the knowledge of my word. God says, crossing the Jordan River is not a problem. The weapons of the Canaanites are not a problem either. God says, the only possible problem that you might face would be if you disobey my law. If you turn aside to the right or to the left from obeying me. As a military leader, Joshua's primary focus should be, how can I do what God commands? Because if I do what God commands, he guarantees that I will be victorious. This is the promise to remember for parents, for elders and deacons, for school board members, for everybody involved with ARPA or any other Christian organization. Many Christians, even many Christians on the board of these organizations are not experts in psychology or economics or politics or educational theory. Instead, we are mainly amateurs. If anything, we are trained to be mechanics or builders or housewives. The only qualification that we have to serve on these committees is in our hearts. We are Christians. We are members in good standing of a church. Because we are not technically qualified for these positions, we often struggle with questions that are too difficult for us and we have not been trained to deal with them properly. But still, brothers and sisters, still we can do these jobs. Still we can serve on these committees. Why? Because we believe what God said to Joshua in our text, if we are strong and courageous in studying the word of God and meditating on his will, if we are careful to obey the word of God, then we are qualified in God's eyes and then God will bless us, then it will go well with us, guaranteed. And then some of us would have read an article published in Clarion in May, I think it was, about Christian education. In that article, the author mentioned how an earlier generation of Canadian Reformed people in the 1950s and the 1960s, they had scrimped and saved 
to build our schools and hired mostly qualified people to teach their children. As far as that generation was concerned, to teach in our Canadian Reform schools, the most important qualification was to be a Christian, a brother or sister in the church. Academic rigour, a good music program and a good sports program For our parents, they were not so important. But today, that article in Clarion tells us, today a new generation of parents is being asked what they expect from our schools and what they consider to be most important for their children. And it seems that at least some Canadian Reformed parents in 2013 are no longer satisfied to have schools that are totally Christian, but that might be lacking in other respects. The article says that today's parents want the best of both worlds. Reformed education, sure, as long as it also provides the best academic program. And otherwise, some parents are quite prepared to jump ship and send their children to other schools instead. And that attitude, brothers and sisters, that attitude is pure unbelief. Oh, I am not saying that every Canadian Reformed family has to send their children to our school. That's not for me to say. But understand what God says in our text. If success did not come to Joshua through superior military strategy or through brilliant tactics of warfare if instead God promised Joshua that Joshua would succeed by being careful to obey the law of Moses and by meditating on God's word if success would come to Joshua only through God's blessing then surely my brother my sister surely the primary focus of our schools must be Christian teaching, teaching the children to know God before everything else and then doing our best, certainly, but above all, trusting that God will bless our efforts if we make that our focus, not just in our schools, of course, but in every part of our life, then guaranteed, guaranteed, everything else will surely fall into place because as the Lord was with Joshua, he will be with us also. What we hear in church on Sunday might seem to be disconnected from the real world. It might be. And that might be because the preacher is not living in the real world. But it might also be Because we are pushing God out of our real world. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He is the Lord of all creation. He controls all things. And he says to you, and he says to me, and he says to our children and grandchildren as well, he says, be strong, take courage, focus your heart and your life on living your life my way and I will bless you richly. 
Eternally. That means God wants to have a say in how you run your business. What we read in our spare time. What we watch on television. God wants to have a say in our children's lives as well. So let us become energetic. Let us become more energetic to know the word and the will of our heavenly father so that we can do it and receive his blessing. That's our first point. In our second point, we will now consider Joshua's instructions for the Israelites. And now at this point, some of you might be convinced that this sermon is heading in the wrong direction. Because the focus of this sermon seems to be what we have to do. Like Joshua, study the law of God and be careful to do it. So what about Jesus Christ? What about the forgiveness of our sins? What about God's saving power and inspiring grace? But take a look at verse 6, brothers and sisters. Take a look at verse 6. Is this really all about what we have to do? God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. This is not about earning something. God says, you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to give them. And then after that, does Joshua instruct the Israelites to prepare for battle? Does Joshua tell them to find their weapons? Not at all. Instead, verse 11 Verse 11, get your supplies ready. Get your food and your drink, your clothes, your tent. Clearly, Joshua is not preparing the Israelites for battle. Instead, it is as if he is taking them on an outing, a picnic, and they need to bring their lunch along. Clearly, the Israelites don't have to take the promised land. But God is giving it to them. And they? They just have to be there. Open hands. Open mouth. To receive it. And now of course we could make this even more difficult. We could ask these Israelites. The sinful people. They have to be there to receive it. How can they? Are they not dead in their sins? So how can they possibly do anything, even receive God's salvation? And perhaps some of you might even think about the example of the chocolate bar. God offers us a chocolate bar and we have to receive it. How can we? To answer these questions, we go for one moment to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. Where the Lord Jesus Christ stands before a man who is lame. A man who cannot walk. And Jesus says to that man who is lame and who cannot walk. Jesus says to him, stand up. Take up your mat and walk. 
And immediately, that man who could not walk, he can walk. Suddenly, this man who was powerless, he is filled with power from on high and he walks. This is how Jesus saves him, by commanding him to walk. Because when Jesus commands, Jesus also gives power to obey his command. When Jesus commands, he also gives power to obey his commands. And in the same way, beloved congregation, God reminded Joshua in chapter 1 verse 6 that the children of Israel will inherit Canaan. They will inherit Canaan just like when our parents die. We inherit. We inherit what they leave behind. It comes to us automatically. It just falls into our lap, so to speak. And we really don't have to earn it ourselves. And in the same way, the Israelites did not have to earn the land of Canaan. No, God had already given it to them. God had sworn an oath that he would give it to them. But still, they had to go into the land. They had to take possession of it. And that's exactly what we teach our children to do. We instruct them to accept the salvation which God has really and truly given to them as surely as they have been baptized. They must believe God's promises and make it their own. But they can only do that by the power of God working in them. Just one more thing needs to be said about Joshua's command in verse 11 to get your supplies ready. The world that we are living in is becoming more and more hostile against God and against the Christian church. The world, for example, is making it more difficult for us to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. The world is becoming more aggressive when we teach our children about creation, about marriage, about holy living. The world is the enemy of the church and we are all fighting a spiritual battle against the world, are we not? But our text also tells us how we should fight this battle and which weapons we should use. Because in our text for this morning, the Israelites are about to cross the Jordan and enter Canaan and take, take the cities and the farms off of those Canaanites. That means the Israelites are about to do some serious fighting against the Canaanites. But God does not say anything to Joshua about weapons. Instead, take your lunch packs along because God is going to fight for you. And the point is, if we simply all do our job, if we simply all concentrate on doing our daily task as well as we can, then we can also let God fight our spiritual battles for us. Because we don't have a religious struggle, a spiritual struggle 
apart from our daily work, brothers and sisters. We don't need a lunch pack for our daily task besides weapons to fight a spiritual battle. Instead, our whole life is one. And God wants us to live our whole life under the authority of his word. That means when we open our Bible, like God commanded Joshua to do, the Bible gives direction for our whole life, for our spiritual battle, and also for the way that we treat our employees, and for the way that we write about contracts. Our whole life is one. And when we get our supplies, like Joshua instructed the Israelites to do, our breakfast and our lunch, that gives us energy for our daily work. But when we do our daily work faithfully, then by doing that, we are fighting that spiritual battle against sin, against the world, against Satan. Truly, beloved congregation, it is a wonderful privilege to be children of God. God brought his children to Canaan. God drove the enemies out of the land. God gave the land to his children. What did the Israelites have to do to get the land? Nothing. Because God would fight their battle for them. God gives it to them by grace alone. Now in the New Testament, God also holds on to us and fights our battle for us and gives us salvation by grace alone through Jesus Christ alone. We don't have to earn anything or do anything. But his instruction remains the same. Be strong and courageous. Live by my word. I will bless you. That's our second point. In our third point, we will now consider the encouragement that the Israelites give to Joshua. Now, one little word of distinction. In verse 13, Joshua speaks to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. These Israelites will technically not be living in Canaan. No, they will be staying where they are right now, east of the Jordan. Joshua says to them, The Lord has given you rest. The Lord has granted you this land. Notice, clearly, rest and the land belong together. It is as if the 400 years of Egypt and the 40 years in the desert was a time of hard work, and that's now finished. When the Israelites came to Canaan, it is like they come home from work. Now they can rest, they can relax in their new God-given home. And again, this is gospel, brothers and sisters. The people of Israel were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt. But God has set them free and given them the land of Canaan. And in the same way, obviously, we were slaves to sin, slaves of the devil. But God set us free and gave us eternal life. In that sense, God has already given us salvation. And we are already living at home in this world. But in verse 14, Joshua says to those Israelites who have already received their inheritance, those who are living at home, 
Joshua says to them, together with the other Israelites, you must go across the Jordan into Canaan and you must help them to gain their inheritance. You've already got yours, but they still have to get theirs and you've got to help them. And after that, you can go home again and you can relax again. Here we see the communion of saints at work. Not just every man for himself, but working together, fighting God's battle together so that every man and every woman and every child may receive their inheritance. This is the reason why together we all support our credo elementary at high school. This is the reason why we all support Manoa Manor. This is the reason why we all belong in our Bible study society meetings and need to support each other in every way that we possibly can. Help each other until the Lord gives us all rest. In other words, serve each other until the end of our life on this earth. And I know... Brothers and sisters, I know that we get used to being told what to do. We get used to being told how we have to live our lives. Do this and stop doing that. We get told that every Sunday. And if we agree, we say nothing. It is only when we disagree that we might comment. And so it is encouraging Indeed, it is refreshing in our text when the Israelites answer Joshua in verse 16, whatever you have commanded, we will do. And just as we fully obeyed Moses, we will also obey you. And then may the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. This is what the Israelites are saying to their new leader. So, when new elders and new deacons are elected in our church, do we have anything like this to say to them? We expect our elders and our deacons to support us and encourage us. Should we not also support them and pray for them as well? In the communion of saints, We do expect so much from each other, brothers and sisters. We have ushers and organists and elders and deacons, a C of A, sister help, a nursery coordinator, leaders for our Bible study societies. So many people, they do so many things. And if we have reason to criticize, we do not hesitate to speak up. But in our text for this morning, we see children of God encouraging Joshua, encouraging the leaders, encouraging those who are serving in the kingdom of God together with us. So let us also encourage each other, build each other up, and so to build the kingdom of God together in this place. When God commands Joshua to lead the people of Israel into the land of Canaan, God says nothing about developing a strategy or collecting weapons for the military campaign. 
Instead, Joshua is encouraged to be strong and courageous to obey the law which God gave to Moses. Joshua is commanded to meditate on God's word, to be careful to do it. Because in everything that we do in this world, I repeat, in everything that we do in this world, God will bless us if we serve him faithfully. And then he guarantees success. The key to success in all things is to obey God. Even when it seems impractical. In our second point we saw that the people of Israel were not instructed to prepare their weapons as if they were fighting a war, as if they were taking land away from the Canaanites by force. No, God said, I have already given it to you. Now, go in, possess it. And in the same way we saw salvation is not something for us to earn. No, God has given it to us. He promised us through our baptism. And so we must make it our own. And we do that by the power of the Spirit of God who works in us. Those Israelites who were staying on the east side of the Jordan, who had already received their inheritance, they had to go with their brothers and sisters across the Jordan to help them to claim their inheritance. We must always help each other in the communion of saints. And in our third point we saw how the Israelites responded to Joshua's instructions. They said, yes, we will do it. They truly supported their leaders. May we also support each other, brothers and sisters, as we walk as children of God, as brothers and sisters in the faith, together on the road to eternal life. May we support each other. May we rely on the grace of God to hold on to us all. Amen. This has been a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.langleycanrc.org.